You're listening to the Grace Sermon Podcast with messages from Pastor Chris Twightman and the community at Grace Lutheran Church, Huntington Beach. We're a family church that exists to engage life together and impact our neighborhoods as disciples of Jesus. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org. Now, stay tuned for today's message. Once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I've been uh, blessed in the last couple of years to do quite a bit of traveling, uh, and particularly when I've been traveling by way of driving or walking long distances, I have come to appreciate bridges. Bridges. It's, it's actually incredible to realize how many different kinds of bridges are out there. Some are wooden, some are stone, others, as you know, are fabricated of steel. Some are small, others are massive. And the planning, the expense, the great effort that goes into the construction of some of the bridges I've come across just boggles my mind. And yet, no matter what they're made of, what their size is, or how much it took to build them, bridges all function basically the same way. They span and cover a gap, a chasm or a rift that previously kept two points separated from each other. Bridges are one of our world's most important structures because they're designed to bring things together. Land masses, roads, people. Bridges make it possible for a person to cross from one point, one side, to the other point, to the other side. That's pretty cool. Now, when you, if, you're, if you're at all caught up in bridges like I am, or the next time you see one and you marvel at it, perhaps, we might be inclined to perceive that a bridge originally was a human design. But the truth is, the model for the idea of a bridge is the character of God. We worship a God who is a bridge builder. From the very beginning, as our creator spoke and arrayed the cosmos with planets and suns and galaxies against the backdrop of the darkness, God was extending himself, life itself over the void, the chaos of nothingness. Birthing us in his image, our creator from the outset established a point of connection between us and him. The kind of bridges that our, God's, that our God builds, in fact, are the best, the most important kind of all, relationship. We worship a relational God, right? A God who is the ultimate, perfect, and eternal relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity. And creation's purpose, therefore, was not to fill a gap, something missing in the Lord's existence. No, God was not alone. Creation happened. Creation itself is a bridge because through it, our creation, God extended his perfectly self-contained and mutual relationship to us. And even when we burned that bridge, even when we burned that bridge by rejecting the Lord's invitation 
cutting off this relationship by rebelling against our creator and choosing to go our own way, God did not stop building relational bridges to us. The conduit of our salvation was forged through a relationship built with one man named Abraham. It continued to be constructed through a relationship with the family of Jacob and eventually expanded into a covenant with the nation of Israel. And even when that bridge wouldn't hold, buckling under the weakness of our continued rebellion and disobedience, our sin, our Heavenly Father, didn't stop building a bridge, relentlessly pursuing a relationship with His children. Through the incarnation of Christ, something we're going to celebrate in just a few weeks, through the incarnation of Christ, God tangibly crossed a large chasm between heaven and earth. The gap between life the way we were meant to have it, and the life we choose to settle for. And God built a bridge. Our creator concretely built a bridge to us by becoming one of us. In Jesus Christ, God took on our flesh, linked up with our cultural patterns, our thought and speech habits, and behavioral practices. The bridge to our salvation comes by way of a relationship. What we'll celebrate in just a few weeks is this profound truth. Jesus came into this world as a part of a family. And when Jesus launched his ministry many decades later, proclaiming the inauguration of the kingdom of God, he immediately gathered 12 disciples around him. And we just read the beginnings of this relational bridge building by Jesus here in Matthew chapter 4. And Matthew's version of the story, I mean, it went by pretty fast, right? Matthew's version is pretty short and sweet. Jesus invited Simon and Andrew to follow him. They dropped their nets and did just that. But what we need to remember, and that's why we have four Gospels, is there are additional details that are provided for us about this moment from Luke and also from John. Because this, this encounter was much more involved than one statement, they dropped their nets and they just followed. Do you remember the other details of this story? In, from John, in fact, we actually learn that it was Andrew who introduced his brother Peter to Jesus. And from Luke, we gain the insight Peter had in fact just finished his shift for the night. He had cleaned everything up and was ready to go home. You remember this story, right? And then Jesus basically asks him to go back to work. And Peter reluctantly agrees, doubtful of the outcome. But then when he ends up with, with, with what had to be the most, well, the best catch he ever made in his life, a fish, Jesus then tells him and Andrew, oh, that's nothing. You ain't seen nothing yet. I'm going to make you fishers of people. Now, that's interesting. Our typical understanding of this phrase, fishers of people, it's this idea that we cast out the gospel like a net for fish, and people become captivated by Jesus and decide to follow him, and we reel them in. You know, we're fishers of people. And, and while there's some play, some merit in, this, in applying the metaphor in that way, in terms of how we engage others, if you really think about it, though, if, we think, if that's what we're meant to understand, it's kind of an impersonal, non-relational image, Right? You know, we just cast out nets and just reel people in. I mean, if sharing Jesus in the kingdom is just casting a big net, maybe that's part of why for us sometimes it leads to a lot of talking at people rather than with people. Maybe that's why sometimes it gets a little bit awkward in our evangelism because if we treat people like fish to be caught, that's kind of different than treating them like people to get to know. 
I actually think a better understanding of what's happening here is Jesus is engaging Peter and Andrew, and then later, as we heard, James and John, in terms of what they know, right? He, the limits of who they perceive them to be. And what is that? They're fishermen. Fishing was what they did. Fishing, as we heard, was the family business. Being fishermen, in other words, was their sense of identity. They weren't going to be anything other than fishermen. To everyone around them, probably to themselves, they were only good for one thing, fishing. And then Jesus, in calling them to follow him, is inviting them to discover there's more to their identity, more to their destiny than just being fishermen simply doing that for the rest of their lives. Jesus invited them to discover their potential to become world changers. How? Not through the actual fishing of people. The point of the metaphor was through building relationships, becoming relational bridge builders for the kingdom of God. And so, as we heard, Andrew reached out and introduced Peter to Jesus. And then the two brothers became part of building a bridge to two other brothers, James two other, and John, two other fishermen, James and John. And then the four brothers became a part of building a bridge to Philip. We learn about this in John's gospel. Who, and then Philip built a bridge to Jesus with his friend Nathaniel. And later on, they were all part of a bridge built to Matthew, the tax collector. We looked at this passage a couple of weeks ago. And do you remember the significance of that story? When the bridge is built to Matthew, the tax collector, Matthew immediately becomes a relational bridge builder, right? As he built a bridge between his two relational worlds, his new friends, Jesus and the disciples, and his old friends, his co-workers, tax collectors. He didn't keep these two worlds separate. He built a bridge between them. Jesus was a relational bridge builder. He built himself into the lives of 12 people. And he more than once told them they were to become relational bridge builders too. This is how people will know you are my disciples. If you love one another. And even when all 12 abandoned Jesus, Christ continued to build a relational bridge to all the world. Embracing the suffering of the cross unto death, God in Christ forgivingly stretched out and mercifully covered the frailty, the pain, and the loss that's associated with our broken humanity. And through his resurrection, Jesus graciously finished the work of building the bridge that restores all that has been lost, that overcomes the canyon of our mortality, body and soul, that leads us into the everlasting life for which we were meant. My friends, the gospel is the good news that we worship a God who is a bridge builder, who seeks to bring you and me into a relationship with him, and once we're there through the Holy Spirit, to bring others into this same relationship. When Jesus rose from the dead, he reassembled those who had fallen away back into a company of faith. He appointed them as leaders and foundation stones of not some individualistic solo venture, but of a new community to be birthed and grown by the Holy Spirit, the church. This means we who are created in the image of this God we who bear the stamp of his character, we to whom God has reached out across the gulf of our separation through Jesus Christ in order to bring us home, we who profess not only to believe in Jesus but to follow him, we are to be relational bridge builders too.
We've been spending the fall unpacking the vision for the, our future as a community here at Grace, what we're calling our missional narrative. It's on the back of your bulletin. And we last week started to unpack the first of three benchmarks for us to say, are we living into this? What does this look like? What, is, what would that mean for each of us? And last week, it was not being, about being not just a believer in Christ, but a follower of Jesus. And today, we're talking about our second benchmark for living into the future. God has called us to his grace, that we are relational bridge builders. Now, of course, Jesus is the only mediator between God and humanity. But acting under Christ's commission through the authority and power of the Holy Spirit, followers of Jesus, us, we have the privilege of building bridges also. Bridges to the gospel. Bridges to the kingdom. Relational bridge builder, you see. Understand, community has been God's idea from the beginning. And when we seek to build bonds with and between others, to and for Christ, we align ourselves with his divine work. Being relational bridge builders means being good neighbors. It means knowing no stranger. It means choosing to engage and share life with a variety of people. To make the commitment to understand people with different backgrounds and beliefs. And that through that understanding, not to share Christianity, but the person of Jesus Christ through the authentic witness of one's own life the kind of relationship bridges we are building through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit are extensions of divine grace and forgiveness, channels of humble truth and honest hope, conduits of unconditional love and serviceable, serviceable compassion, connections, in other words, that change lives, and neighborhoods for the better. Points of contact that bring healing and reconciliation within families, marriages, and communities. The kind of rapport that offers redemption, restoration, and resurrection from all the loss and the death that surround us. The kind of relational bridges we're called to build together sustain us. They give us purpose They enable us to flourish in the midst of the tasks which we are doing. When we work, when we study, when we play, these relational bridges sustain us. They hold us together when we face all kinds of difficulties in life, when we lose our job, when we get that diagnosis that is not good, when we experience a loss, the bridges, the relational bridges that are built in our lives keep us from being isolated, from being separated, from being alone. How do we go about this? How do we go about becoming relational bridge builders if that's what we're called to be? Well, the obvious answer is by following Christ's model. And if we follow Christ's model, that means we initiate contact with others. Particularly, we initiate contact with the people the Lord has already placed around us. Who are the people the Lord has already placed around you? They're there. Because motivated by the love of Jesus, empowered, fueled by the power of the Spirit, a relational bridge builder initiates conversation. This is how relationships begin, right? By talking, by introducing yourself. If you will, the start of building a relationship is like water skiing. And if you haven't been water skiing, when you go water skiing, you're flying along the surface of the water, but you really don't have time to stop and enjoy the scenery. 
Water skiing is where every relationship starts off, staying at a surface level. You introduce yourself. You say, hello. You exchange a few pleasantries, maybe relate about common interests, and establish an initial point of connection. But that's as far as it goes. It's all fairly superficial. Many of our daily interactions with people take place at this level and don't go past it. Read the Gospels, though. Interesting. Read the Gospels, though, and you'll notice Jesus never just said, hi, talked about the weather, and then moved on. Jesus generally took the relationships he initiated to the next level, beyond superficiality, by getting to know the other person. Now, snorkeling is a whole different experience than water skiing. With snorkeling, if you've never done it, you look below the surface and you see things you couldn't see at all from above the water. Fish and various ocean life. Snorkeling is going a little deeper with another person, beyond a surface level interaction. What I'm saying is relational bridge builders don't just introduce themselves to other people. That's where it starts. We initiate conversation. But relational bridge builders remember those they've encountered and follow up by getting to know the people they've engaged. We get to know other people by learning about their story, understanding their context, finding areas of common ground. And we do this by asking questions, right? Where they're from, what do they do, where they went to school, what they're about, what they're interested in and enjoy, and listening attentively, attentively to what they share. As with snorkeling, when we go beyond the surface in a relationship, we get to see things we couldn't before. The background, the context, a little bit of the life of the other person. And most of us have some relationships at this level, what we'll call acquaintances, where we're familiar with each other, right? But again, if we pay attention, Jesus often moved beyond this level of relationship to go even deeper. With the people Jesus encountered, he frequently got involved with their needs, their struggles, even their doubts. Jesus was willing to open himself up to other people. And another word for this, opening ourselves up to another person, another word for this is vulnerability. Vulnerability, actually, interestingly, was originally a military term. It meant being able to be wounded and hurt when a city's walls were strong and fortified, there was no fear of the enemy getting through. They weren't vulnerable. But when any part of the city wall, their outward protection became vulnerable, the city's residents were likely to suffer harm. One way to understand the cross is to recognize God in Christ makes himself vulnerable to us. Jesus, in his relationship with others, let them see who he was and even get close enough to hurt him unto death. Many of us avoid vulnerability, right? Many of us avoid vulnerability. Some of us have never experienced vulnerability in any of our relationships. Why? Because of judgment and rejection. Nothing sabotages and ultimately kills vulnerability more than judgment and rejection. Being inappropriately laughed at, 
being mercilessly criticized when we share something personal, something meaningful, cuts deep. We feel exposed, right? Taken advantage of, shamed, and ultimately rejected. And no one likes being rejected. No one likes being rejected. If we're rejected enough, sometimes, depending upon the severity of it, it only takes one time. But if we're rejected enough, a part of us dies. And so we close the rest of ourselves off. When people close to us, people we've let inside hurt us, reject us, we build walls, not bridges. We build walls, not bridges, to protect ourselves from others, from being hurt like that again, from facing death. And so a part of us, the truest, deepest part of us becomes impenetrable. If building walls becomes a habit, if we close ourselves off too much and with too many people, ironically, we trap ourselves in a state of loneliness and isolation. We live and we stay on our own private internal island. And if we stay there long enough, choosing to live like this, we end up not flourishing, but living a bitter, lonely sad existence. We kill ourselves by slowly dying inside as our hearts harden, as our minds close, as we become callous to the world around us. I'm looking around and I have a feeling that some of you know what this is like. I'm looking around and I have some of you who may already be building your island right now. Beloved, whoever you are, all of us, this is not what God intends. This is not God's will for us. It's not even fuzzy or unclear. It's not a debatable issue. From the very beginning of time, it was not good for a human being to be alone. It was not good then, and it's not good now. We were conceived out of a relationship, and we were created for relationship as beings made in the image of God, reflecting the relational nature of our creator. It is not only our responsibility to relate to each other by opening up and truly knowing one another. Relationships are also how we flourish, how we learn, how we grow, how we mature, how we become all we were created to be. You know, scuba diving goes a whole lot deeper than snorkeling or water skiing. And again, if you've never done it, when one scuba dives, an entirely different world opens up. And the experience is breathtaking. As you submerge dozens of feet underwater, you can see and interact with sea creatures and plants that are full of colors one rarely sees otherwise. It's an amazing, eye-opening experience, but one that takes a lot more effort than just floating along on the surface. My friends, the kind of relationships Jesus seeks for us to build are scuba diving adventures. God in Christ came down into the depths of our suffering in order to take us even further into the immeasurable, limitless scope, the ocean of his love. We have been invited. We are called to go that deep, to really go there, 
to a level of depth that is truly meaningful and life-changing. And we can only reach that kind of depth with another person by willing, being willing to be vulnerable. A relational bridge builder, a follower of Jesus, opens themselves up to be known by others and in so doing, to invite others to be known by them, to share life and follow Christ with them. I know some of you have been hurt. I know some of you have been burned. I've been hurt. I've been burned. I know it's scary. I know it's a risk. Being vulnerable is always a risk. But to the one who is in Christ, to whom Jesus has already built a bridge, there is no fear of rejection. There is no fear of abandonment. There is no fear even of death. We can put ourselves out there because our identity, who we are, is secure in who God declares us to be, one of his beloved children. We may get hurt, it's true. We may get betrayed, it's a fact. We may be denied, it happens. But so was Christ. And Christ is with us. Nothing can separate us from his love. With Jesus, do you know this? Resurrection is always our destiny. Resurrection is always our destiny. So you can be vulnerable. You can be vulnerable. And vulnerability is only possible when we come with a lack of judgment. Vulnerability is only possible when we come with a lack of judgment. Again, interestingly, Jesus, in his encounters with others, did not condemn anyone. Even towards his self-professed enemies, Jesus wept for them and extended not judgment, but forgiveness. Relational bridge builders extend vulnerability by loving others the way Jesus loves us. Loving us enough to speak the truth, to say the hard things, but loving us without limits and therefore never leaving or forsaking us. Vulnerability that expresses love says, here I am, here I am, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'm in no place to judge you for what's going on in your life. I can be real with you, though, because I am covered by the grace of God just like you are. Just like you are. My friends, that kind of vulnerability encourages vulnerability. Both people moving towards each other without the fear of one running the other way. When vulnerability becomes a shared experience, two people inevitably bond in a way that leads to the sharpening and honing of their character and maturity in Christ. This is how we flourish. We flourish in relationships in Christ. But hear me, and this is again why some of us shy away from this. The kind of bridges we're called to build take a lifetime of dedication. The willingness to press in for years and years, sometimes decades, maybe even lifetimes, before seeing any results. The kind of bridges that we've been empowered to build demand intentionality, surrender, and a faith for the unseen. 
On the one hand, if you think about it, it's a decision to keep our feet firmly planted in the reality of the present pain of this world and yet reaching our arms out over the gap of things not being the way they're supposed to be to the future hope that lies on the other side. And yet on the other hand, it requires stepping outside ourselves and our comfort zones, loving, forgiving, and serving others even when, especially when, it's hard. Because you see, relational bridge building is not only what opens us up to each other. It opens us up to see, to experience God's love for us through the other person. And the other person encounters Christ's love for them through us. So I'm asking you today, Who are you in relationship with? Who has God placed around you? Are you inviting others to know you, to share life with you? Are you water skiing through life, dabbling in a little snorkeling now and again? Have you tried scuba diving? Are you one of those people who says, hey, you know what? If someone wants to talk to me, they know where to find me. Or are you initiating conversations We have been called in Christ to make the first move. Where are you initiating conversations? And again, if you're good at initiating conversations, some of us, again, are really good at at, at water skiing, man. We're really good at small talk. Man, we're good at small talk. We can fly by, woo right? But snorkeling, putting our face in the water, having to take a breath and go down a little bit, let alone putting a, a, a tank on our back, that's a whole other level. Are you following up on the conversations you initiate? Are you building bridges with the people that God has placed in front of you? Are you opening yourself up, risking being vulnerable out of the relationship you have with Christ? It starts here. And I'm going to frame this differently than I said in the first service. In this service, we have a different challenge. We're one church. The first service, there's a different issue. But in this service, here's what I want to say to you guys. There are so many of you that I see on a regular basis, but I don't really get to see you because when the service is over, you go out those doors. Or if you go out that door, you move so fast, I would have to sprint to catch you. And I also don't think that you would want to see some people going, "Ah!" I think that would freak you out. You'd never come back again, right? It starts here. This is our playground. And I don't mean that lightly. This is the place where we can practice scuba diving, snorkeling, scuba diving, to scuba diving. And, but it doesn't stop here. I don't want you to hear this just about this community. Because remember what I'm telling you. Jesus calls us not to be relational bridge builders inside the church. This is our playground because Jesus calls us to be relational bridge builders out there. And so I'm asking you when I ask these questions, where are the places you frequent? Are you even engaging, initiating conversation, opening yourself up in the places where you regularly buy coffee, where you eat, where you go get meals? Who cuts your hair? Where do you buy your groceries? I can tell you just a shift, and I think I've shared this before, of just this awareness of what God has called me to. And this is just the beginning of this. The profound shift when you go into those places you frequent and you actually use the person's name. But what's even cooler is the first time you use that person's name, you got to read it off their name tag. What's even cooler is when you remember and don't need to see the name tag to remember who they are. And what goes even deeper is when you start to strike up conversation and get to know who's serving you, who's waiting on you. 
And lo and behold, if you start snorkeling, don't be surprised when all of a sudden you get to a place, time has a way of doing this, when it's no longer a mask and a tube, but you're going deep. You're getting real. And vulnerability starts to happen between someone before who you didn't even know who they were. They just made your coffee. They just cut your hair. They just always rung you up when you came through the grocery store. I know this is hard. I know it's hard, but it's true. We cannot claim to follow Jesus if we are completely out of step with his value, his priority on relationships. Our relationship with Christ and with each other are our means to life, the everlasting, flourishing life for which we were all created. Therefore, I'm saying to you today, church, you can't be an island. You've got to become a bridge. We must become more than people who simply bump into each other. In Christ, through his spirit, we must form connections. We must recognize. We must pursue. We must build bridges to each other. We must create webs of relationship representing and introducing people we know to each other and to Jesus. Because you see, when we're connected to Jesus, we're also connected to his people, to one another. The Lord created us to be members of a single family, his children. That's what we just celebrated through the sacrament of baptism. The Lord comes to us in Christ to bring us back home to make us all citizens of the same kingdom, his kingdom. We're connected, the scriptures say, like stones in a house. In fact, the scriptures go on to say, in fact, as our lives are joined together in Christ, we become a temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives among us by his spirit, not individually, but in the unity of our relationships. Therefore, let us continue to build the bridge the Lord has constructed to us in Christ by stretching ourselves out toward others, by standing in the gap and becoming the support structure for all who need to cross, to pass over into the living hope of the gospel and the eternal promise 